good morning, everyone. Isn't it great to be in the presence of God and to see what he's doing in our lives? This morning, um, we want to share a testimony of something good that God has done. Who, who likes a good story about what God has done? Okay, well, we're going to hear one. So Mary is going to come up and tell us just a quick story about what God's done in her life this week. Praise God. Um, God is so good. Last two weeks or three weeks ago, I had this pain in my ear. I was like, at first I didn't uh, take it serious. I was less concerned, but... The more I feel cold, the more I feel the pain. Then all of a sudden I had somebody said uh, her husband had hearing problem and all of those stuff. Then I don't know what happened to me. The thing just got to my head. I said, wow, hearing problem, yeah. And I was having this ear. I was, I think, uh, I started thinking negative. I started thinking, devil, you know, the devil works in many ways. Started bringing to me somebody I knew in Nigeria that had a ear problem from here. I couldn't sleep anymore. I was just thinking about it. How am I going to hear? Then I, I talked to uh, my group on Tuesday that they should pray for me about this hearing problem. Then I went to the hospital on Wednesday, and I couldn't see the doctor that day. I was so sad, and then I was like, I wanted to go home at first. I said, no, today's life group. Let me just go to the church and then stay there no matter what. Then when I came to the live group, as everything was going, as we were serving there, I just forgot it. And then as we were doing the live group, I just was as the, you know, the teaching of God's, you know, God, God love and God everything. I was just thinking about it. Then on Thursday, I went to the emergency, to the hospital. When I went there, I was so scared, like, what are they going to tell me? Yeah, problem. Lo and behold, after all the tests, after everything they said, you don't have any problem. No infection, nothing in your ear. Your ear is very normal. You say, wow, so I've been worried for nothing. Oh, my God. This is what fear can do. Instead of me praying, instead of me believing God, I was just putting this negativity on my mind. And then when I went there, they said, Mary, your ear is okay. It's very normal. Two ears, your throat, everything is normal. I said, thank God. Ah, oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't God good? He does say worry for nothing. <laughs> he does take care of everything and that's, uh, that's good. Um, so this morning, I want to talk to you about the wonder of the gospel. Because the more I've been thinking about the gospel, particularly over the last couple of the years in the middle of a pandemic, I have just been amazed by it. I have been amazed by how it seems to be the solution for not just us personally, but also for mankind. It's kind of like when you look at the gospel, it's just so complete. It's kind of like somebody thought of everything. And um, someone, somebody, and we know who that somebody is, it's God, thought of everything to help humanity make sense, to make humankind make sense, to make uh, pandemics and to make 
sin in the world. It, it makes sense when you look at it in the light of the gospel. And today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the wonder of the gospel. And I hope by the end of today, maybe you've heard the gospel before, maybe you haven't. But I hope that today you hear something that is an aha moment for you, something that suddenly makes the world make more sense to you than it did before. Maybe it'll make your life make more sense to you than it did before. Or maybe it'll make God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Trinity and all those things, maybe it'll make those things make sense to you and it didn't before. So I want to talk about the gospel and I want to talk about some of the tensions that we feel in the world and how this all pulls together and what the, guy, the gospel does to solve it. Now, if gospel is a new word to you, this is the dic dictionary definition of it. It means the teaching or revelation of Christ. So basically, in the Bible, if you go to the Bibles made of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and if you go to the first four books or chapters of the Bible, you will see Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And basically they are all stories of Jesus' life. And those four books make up what we call the gospel. So it's all of the teachings of Jesus all put into one place. And, the, and each, each gospel or each book looks at it from a different aspect. Um, which we won't go through the different aspects, but they all sort of take it from a different viewpoint. So that's why we don't need just one gospel. We need four because it takes it from different viewpoints of different people and makes it just so much more complete. Again, I am in awe of a God that created this. Like if you look at the gospel and the Bible all hanging together and the length of time that it took to put all these books together, it is amazing. It is a work of art. For humankind. Uh, that's what the Bible is and it teaches us how to, shows us God's plan for how to live. It shows us God's plan for humanity and it shows us all these things and, and I just find it amazing. Like no single person or even a, a group of people could have put that together. There's just too much in it. The interlinks and cross sections and that refers to that and it's just so complete about what it does in the world. So the gospel is the teaching or the revelation of Christ. It's the record of Christ's life and teaching in the first four books of the New Testament. The gospel is also called the good news because it brings good to the world. It brings good to us. Now, if you haven't heard the gospel before, I'm going to take you quickly through it um, because this concerns you. This concerns your life. And what happens to you when it comes to being uh, what happens when you die and how you live? It, it answers those questions. And they're questions all of humanity has. It doesn't matter what race you're from. It doesn't matter where in the world you're from. It doesn't matter what family you were brought up in. Most of us have that question, like, how should I live my life and what happens when I die? It's kind of a universal question that we have in the world. And the gospel answers that. So 
I'm going to take you through a quick walk. It's called the Romans Road. Um, and it's called that because it comes from the book of Romans, which uh, Paul wrote. He's, he's an apostle in the Bible. And he came after Jesus and, um, and was always looking at how does Jesus make sense in our life. And he actually wrote quite a lot of the New Testament. So he's a very wise man. And I know in um, the Compass Life group, they've been studying um, the works of Paul. Um, but we go through, and in, in Romans, he took, pulls out a whole lot of um, what we call theology or statements about what God says about the word, world and his plan for the world. And then we'll see how Jesus fits into it. Okay, so the first thing he says is in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It basically means every single person in this room, whether you like it or not, you are a sinner because you have sinned. Now, we don't normally like to think, think of ourselves as that, but a sin is basically meaning that you've, you know, either hurt yourself or you hurt other people intentionally or unintentionally, we all do it. And that's what sin is. It's hurting people. It's hurting people. Are. It's not about following rules and regulations. It's about what we do and the impact we have on the world and the impact we have on ourselves. So all of us have sinned, which means we all fall short of the glory of God. Now, God is this overarching being that's responsible for eternity. He's responsible for creating us. And we have fallen short of him. We don't meet his requirements because we have sinned. We have all sinned. If we go to the next verse, Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. That's the outcome of our sin. Intentional, unintentional, whether we meant it or whether we didn't. You kind of think right now it's impossible not to sin. And yeah, that's true. You know, we have all sinned, but the wages of sin is death. And here we are talking about eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal life. This is where the story starts becoming the good news, because up until now, it's all pretty bad, isn't it? I'm sure you're all feeling great. I'm glad I came to church today. She's telling me I'm a sinner. <laughs> uh, but it is the Bible. <laughs> it says, but, and I always love it, you got to get a but. <laughs> But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus came. He went, no, we're not stopping there. That's not where we want the world to go. The gift of God is, etern is eternal life. So that answers the question of where do, what happens after we die. We can have eternal life after we die, but it's through Jesus. So Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we see the next verse. It says, but God... God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, that's us, Christ died for us. So the punishment, the gift, the wages of sin is death, like the punishment for sin is death, Jesus died for us in our place. So he came in and it's like, Great. So Jesus has done something for us. He has died on the cross for us because he's like, I don't want this. 
I don't want people living through sin. It hurts people. It wrecks their lives. I don't, I don't want that. That's not the world I want. So he died to break its power. Then it says, and this is the good news here, it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yay! <laughs> There's a solution to this. Christ has died and all we need to do is receive this free gift that he's given us. It's the gift of God and we can be saved. We can escape that eternal punishment. So it says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So believe in your heart, profess with your mouth. And then it goes on in Romans 10:13 it says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yay. So all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Your eternal problem can be solved by calling on his name. You can do that. So this is what we call the good news. The gospel is the good news of Jesus coming and taking what was our problem, what we did. Like, I bet you can think you can roll back the movie screen of your mind, of your life, and you can think of a time where you hurt someone intentionally. Or you can think of a time where you hurt someone unintentionally. But we all have sin in our life and God came to solve that problem, to pay for the punishment because sin requires punishment. So, we've got the gospel. That's it in a nutshell. And, and there's a lot of tensions in the gospel that I want to talk through. And this is where I think the gospel is really amazing. Like, it's amazing. Like, that's really good news that we can be saved just by believing and speaking. That is amazing. But then... I like to think about, well, what does that mean for the world and what does that mean for us? Because there's this whole system of sin going on in the world. I know from, um, if, if you don't know, I, uh, my full-time job is working in fighting human trafficking. And when you work in like an area like that that's really dark, you get up close to the sin in the world. You see dark things. You see people planning things. But you also see systems of sin. You see where whole um, government things have been uh, created to support sin. You see where um, whole cultures are built around um, a, a concept that involves sin. You see um, how... Our selfishness that, that we all have um, involves sin and contributes to these problems. Like there is a system of sin in the world, not just your personal sin. And, um, and that's what I love is the gospel speaks into that as well. So today I want to talk about, um, about three different areas where the gospel really speaks into tensions that we feel in the world. So the first one is love and justice because quite often I hear people talking about, yeah, I like Jesus but I'm not so sure about God. And I think um, 
And I think that comes from, well, Jesus, he can, the way he gets portrayed in media sometimes and, and in the church sometimes is he's like a bit of a hippie. Like it's just love everyone. Love everyone and, um, and everything will be good. And then you see God the Father and you feel like he's looking down at you with a stick ready to whack you when you've done something wrong. And it's this concept or this tension between love, we're meant to love people, and justice. And you see this when you look at the Bible. If you've ever read the Bible, you will know that the Old Testament feels like, it's almost like this different God that's like all about justice and all about um, what right and wrong and all these things that we do and laws and, and obeying laws. And then you look at the New Testament and it feels like it's all about love. And we feel like, well, now we live in New Testament times. So, you know, it's just love everybody. And as long as you love people, then that's good. But that doesn't solve the problem of justice because we can love people and we can still sin at the same time. So we need a gospel that's bigger than just love everyone. We need a gospel that solves justice as well. And, um, and I love if you take a closer look at the things Jesus said rather than just whitewashing and going it's all about love. Uh, you will see that he was very concerned about justice and he was also very concerned about everything that went on in the Old Testament. So if you um, look at Matthew 5, 17 to 18, Jesus himself said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfil them. So it's not like all of those... Um, rules and regulations and principles that were in the Old Testament are suddenly out the window. No, they're not because in him coming, he has fulfilled them. So they're completed. I feel like I'm not doing this justice, but we'll get there. As he says, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So it's not like we had the Old Testament and then all of a sudden God changed his mind and we're going to do it a different way and here's Jesus and now we go on with this. It's like, no, all of that built up to Jesus coming, Jesus fulfilled it and now we can live another way that embraces both the love of God that we see in the New Testament and the justice of God. And it kind of makes sense to me because we kind of think that God the Father the one of justice over here, we often think he's like the bad guy and Jesus is the good guy who came to sort out the, the guy that's up over there. He's not a bad guy, but he's the guy that is like the strict one. And uh, Jesus comes to fulfill him. But um, there's a lot to be said for God the Father and the rules and the regulations. If you go back and you look at um, the Ten Commandments, they're all about how we relate to one another. They're all about the things that we do to one another, how we treat one another. Like don't be jealous of one another. Don't take another man's wife. Don't murder. Don't like honour your parents. They're all very relational. And they're all great principles for living actually. Um, but what happened is, 
that people started taking those things and turning them into law rather than values for life. When they're values for life, they're principles that we live by, they're things that we uphold. But when they're laws, it becomes like a tick sheet that we do. And then suddenly what people started doing was taking the law, and we see this journey in the Old Testament, they started taking the law and making it rules or regulations without the principles. So without the principles, there's no love in that. So Jesus came and said, no, hang on a bit. We've forgotten the love. We've forgotten the purpose of all those rules. We need to recheck. We need to rebring in and focus on those rules. It's not about the rules. It's about the principles. And it's about eradicating the sin in the world that causes those things. Because all of the Ten Commandments are all about living a life in community with one another without hurting people. So this is what we, we bring. We see Jesus bring. He brings this point of love, but he also fulfills all those needs for justice. And you think justice actually deals with the systems of sin in the world. You know, if you love people, you truly love people, you also want justice for people. Like it's not right that um, someone traffics someone else. That's not right. We want to see justice. But then love comes along and wants us to love the trafficker as well. So how do we, how do we fit these things in? And again, we see in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But he goes, the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says an interesting thing. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's about loving God and about loving one another. If you do that, everything's going to be fulfilled. Justice is going to be fulfilled. The, the sin in the world is going to disappear because we're actually loving one another, but we're taking care of justice as well. Okay. Um, someone might want to just tap. Yeah. <laughs> so Jesus upholds the law. He doesn't eradicate it. He fulfills it. This is really important. And this is part of the wonder of the gospel. It's about loving. It's about Jesus fulfilling the law. But then the Bible also talks about personal redemption and the kingdom of God. And this is another tension that we see in, in the gospel that I think is amazing because often when we talk about the gospel, we think only about how it applies to ourselves. We go, oh, it's for my salvation. It's for me. Um, it means I get, I get the ticket to heaven. And it does mean that. It means all of those things. But it also means what happens in the world to this system of sin. Because if everyone in the world is suddenly saved, they're starting to deal with the sin in their lives and it starts changing the structure and the systems that are in our world. So it has an impact on the world. So some would call it, you often hear in Christianity, people talking about personal transformation. But we've also got to transform the world 
bringing transformation to our communities, bringing transformation to our cities, bringing transformation to our countries. This is what it is. It's bringing um, answers to our world through changing our behaviour, the root behaviour that's in underneath us that we all live by, changing the code and the rules and the values by which we live. This is what the gospel does. It has the power to change us and transform us. It says in John 3.16, now this is the most quoted verse in the Bible. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And probably every time you've read that, you've thought about how that, what that means to you. But it actually talks about, for God so loved the world. You know, Jesus was working on the world. He was working on you as part of the world. But we often think that salvation is just for those that become Christians, uh, they get to live their life on earth and then, uh, then uh, when we die, we all go to heaven and we're living this nice life and sorry to everyone else. But actually, God so loved the world, he's actually wanting to deal with the systems of the world, which is sin. Sin is the problem that's creating everything to be unjust. Sin is the thing that's creating things like human trafficking. It's creating things like crisis. It's creating um, things like injustice, domestic violence, all of these things um, that we complain about and we look at in the world as not being right. Um, We go, okay, we often believe that those things are the fault of God, but they're the fault of sin. And we go, why is God up there doing nothing? But he is doing something because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So he was dealing with the root cause, um, you know, of things like poverty, the root cause of things like uh, human trafficking, the root cause of things like domestic violence, the root cause of inequality, the root cause of uh, racism, all these problems that we face and we go, where's the justice? What was God thinking in the world? All of these things relate back to sin. All of these things relate back to people not behaving correctly, people not treating one another properly, people thinking they're better than someone else. And if we think about it, we all have that darkness inside us. That's the sin that we have. And that's the, the tension of humanity is that we live in a world where we are all sinners and we are being transformed, but it is God who came and and put drew the line in the sand and goes, we're not having that anymore. I'm doing something about it. I'm I'm sending Jesus. He's going to sort out. He's going to He's going to sort out the power that it, the hold that it has on our lives over us. If that makes sense. You know, when God created us, you know, he created the heavens and the earth, he created the animals, the sea, the land, all those things. Every time he created something, he said it was good. When he created humanity, he said it was very good. So you, my friend, are very good. I know I've told you that you're a sinner, but you're also very good. And God created you to be very good. And Jesus came to restore the good in you, to restore the things that you've done intentionally, unintentionally. 
He wants to restore the things that you have done to the good that he believes that you can be. And this is what the gospel is. I love that the gospel gives us purpose. The gospel gives us all calling. It gives us a purpose. You know, Jesus says, like, once you're a Christian, go out into all the world, preach the gospel, tell others of the good news. As soon as you become a Christian, you become a solution. You become part of the plan. You become part of what Jesus calls the kingdom of God. And your job from then that point on is to bring the kingdom of God to everywhere you go, to tell people the good news, to help other people see how God can help them deal with this issue of humanity that every single one of us has in our heart. You can help them. God gives us a purpose. And that's why I think personal redemption but also understanding how the gospel works for the world is important because it answers more of our questions. If the gospel just stops at our individual lives and our individual church uh, uh, choices, it doesn't have so much power. But if we think about the gospel as it relates to us living in a world with all the rest of humankind... Isn't it amazing the answers that it brings, the solutions it brings? Like imagine if everyone in the world suddenly became a Christian and suddenly had their heart guided by God, wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone did, did what they were meant to do and started living by the principles of God? The world would be a better place. We wouldn't see things like racism. We wouldn't see things like inequality because our heart would be guided by a God who makes such a difference in our lives, who transforms us. So the next thing I want to talk about is grace and law. And I'm going to need some volunteers for this. So, Don, if you can come up. Yep, that'd be great. No, he's like, what, what? <laughs> so you, you are going to represent everyone in this room. You are going to be our... Um, a person on the earth, you're going to represent humankind today, okay? Okay, is Welly here today? I haven't seen him. Oh, yeah, if you could come up. Welly is going to be God the Father because he has a deep voice and I always imagine God the Father to be, to be deep. So if you can come and, and stand over here. Yeah, could you say something? Uh, hello. See what I mean? He's got like this deep voice that's like, like royalty. Um, if you could come up. Um, oh, sorry, I don't know your name. Sitting next to Jay Day. No, no, sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, what is your name? Arash. Okay. I picked Arash because out of everyone in this room, he looks most like Jesus. <laughs> so, Arash, if you could come and stand here, that would be great. And then uh, where's Angel? Angel, you've got an angelic name. So you are going to be the Holy Spirit. Okay? So now you guys don't worry. You don't have to do much. You just have to stand there. Okay. So what I want to talk about is like a picture of the gospel. Um, so we've got God the Father who loves justice, that wants to make sure that everything's right that wants to make sure that everything in the world is as it should be, that there's no sin in the world. But 
He's just and good, so he knows if someone does wrong, he has to do something about it. Can you imagine a world if we didn't have a God that was just, that didn't care about things being right or wrong? That wouldn't be a very good world to live in. God cares. He invented justice. So because he is just, it's not an ideal for him. It is who he is. He is just. He cannot live in a world with sin and not deal with it. He has to do something about it. So this is part of the gospel is that there's sin in the world and it has to be dealt with because God is just. So then we have Jesus. And he is the one who came and died on the cross for us, breaking the power that sin has on our life. So every time God the Father looks at Don or you or all of humanity, every time God the Father looks at Don, it's through Jesus. So, um, Arash, if you could come here and put your hand out like the cross. <laughs> yep. God the Father, who is justice, is looking at Don through the cross. So everything that, um, everything that the punishment that um, humanity deserved or you deserved got dealt with here. And so God the Father can look at you with justice, knowing it's dealt with because Jesus is in the way. He's done it for you. He's in the way. Are you seeing how this happens? So that's dealt with the system of sin in our lives because Jesus has done it for us. But then we go, well, just because I'm a Christian, it doesn't mean I've suddenly stopped sinning, does it? We all kind of know that. We don't like to admit that. But we're all still sinners. But now we have someone who comes along and helps give us power to overcome sin by transforming us, by speaking into the ears of humanity. This is what um, the Holy Spirit does, is um, speaks into humanity, gives you power, helps you to understand, like suddenly when you're about to do something, reminds you of that verse in the Bible that says you shouldn't. That, um, that changes the values of your heart. Every time, every time humanity reads the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes along and goes, hey, this bit's important for you. It kind of like illuminates it and makes it revelation to you and gives you power to remind you when you don't have the Bible in front of you, it, the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that God the Father says is just, everything that Jesus has done for you so that you can actually live a life that's good, so that you can actually live a life that transforms the world. And then in doing that, if everyone is living this, suddenly all the bad things in the world disappear. And that's what the kingdom of God is. It's bringing all of this together, everything that the Father does, Jesus does, the Holy Spirit does, they're all working in a team towards the one thing to help humanity be a better place. And that's what the kingdom of God is, that Jesus spoke about all the time, is bringing... Um, is bringing God's principles to earth into the, what he originally planned for the world to be before sin came in and mucked it all up. So the whole problem of sin had to be dealt with. That's why we need to deal with the sin that's in our own heart. So if we don't have 
Jesus standing in the way. We're stuck in our sin and God, God the Father is looking at us and going, sorry, you have to pay the punishment for that. And um, just because someone's punished doesn't mean that the problem gets set right. So Jesus comes along and puts in a bigger plan and solves the problem of sin in our world. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing what God can do? And it's amazing to see how the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit are working together for you. Not just you personally, but all of humanity and your part of humanity in the world. That's the amazement that I find about the gospel, the wonder of the gospel is that it's not just about you. And often when we read it, that's all we think of. We just think about how it impacts me. But it's also how it impacts everyone in this room and everyone in this world. That's what God wants to do. He's solving the problem of sin in your life, but also the problem of systemic sin in the world. And he's transforming the world. And the minute you become a Christian, the minute you say, I believe in what Jesus did. When you confess with your heart and you, well, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and you go, yep, that's me. I'm, I understand this now. I get it now. And um, this is the answer for the world. And I am going to accept Jesus' gift and I am going to live my life seeing this. And then the Holy Spirit comes and helps you to live that life. And who better than have the God that orchestrated all of this to help you live a life that impacts humanity, that impacts your family, that impacts your life, but impacts the world? Because God hasn't called you to a life that's just about your personal happiness or just about your personal success. And that's what the world tells us the goal of life is. It's about happiness and success and, you know, whatever makes me happy, just do that. Or just love people, that makes it happy. But that doesn't, if you just love people, that doesn't deal with the injustices in the world. We need to be transformed on the inside to have a better world. And you can have a place in that today. Thank you, everyone. Yes, I heard Don go as he walked past. Thank you, Jesus. And exactly, thank you, Jesus, for doing everything that he did for us. So I want to talk about grace and law because grace does not mean... So in the Bible it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in, my weak, in weakness. God's grace is sufficient for you. So... Some people read this and go, well, God's all about love, you know, but we forget the justice bit because that doesn't seem so nice. Um, but he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And we think, okay, so he loves me. He'll forgive me. I can sin again. He'll forgive me. But it's like, no, because remember, you've got the Holy Spirit coming and whispering in your ear and giving you revelation and helping you to understand that you need to be transformed from the inside and giving you power to overcome sin in your world. So you can't, you can't keep on sinning. You will keep on sinning. You will keep on making mistakes. Just because you've become a Christian doesn't mean you suddenly stop sinning. But what it means is that you're understanding that your sin costs something. It costs Jesus' death for you to keep on sinning. And then suddenly sin doesn't sound so good anymore. 
suddenly sin um, has more of a price to it than you thought before. The interesting thing about sin is sin works in the context of humanity, just not in your life. So, you know, sometimes maybe uh, you're about to do something that you know you shouldn't. Okay, so I'm from the human trafficking world, so let's take pornography. So let's say you're about to look at pornography and you go, oh, it's not hurting anyone because that's the first thing we say when we're all intentionally sinning, isn't it? It's not going to hurt anyone. It's not hurting me. And we, we look at it through the radar of if sin doesn't hurt me, then it's okay. But the problem is, is there's always a consequence for sin because it needs justice. It needs punishment. The Bible, the gospel showed us that, that there's punishment for sin. So someone's going to pay might not be you that pays, but your sin will have consequence on someone somewhere else in the world. And we think, oh, that, that, you know, we take it through our own lens, like my cause and effect, my choices, they just affect me. It's my sin, but actually sin impacts other people. So in the case of like looking at pornography, you know, looking at pornography creates a whole demand for more and more pornography to be created because there's so many people wanting to look at it, which means there aren't enough people that volunteer to be in pornography. So then traffickers have to traffic people and force them. So you might think that you weren't doing anything wrong by looking at pornography, but actually, it's actually systemically causing issues in the world that are taking on great proportion. Like there are, um, you know, 40 million people in the world trafficked today because of systemic sin. And we all play a part in that some way or another by the purchases that we buy, by the the things where we need to have, you know, um, 20 pairs of jeans instead of two pairs of jeans, you know, and we only want them at cheap prices. So then someone has to work on a farm in a, in a factory in India to make them at the cheap price and not get paid properly so that the supermarket here can sell them at the price that you want to pay. Like, it's systemic. So the things that we do with sin, um, they're not just about you. Like, we're, we're all part of humankind. And that's what I love is that Jesus in the gospel, the amazing thing is, is it, it solves things for us, but it also solves the problems of humankind. And that's why we all need to be part of the gospel. That's why we all need to deal with the sin in our own lives because it has consequences on other people. Even if it had nothing to do with where you spend eternity, it's worth it. Like the gospel still solves this condition of humanity and where we're meant to be. And actually the kingdom of God is recreated earth. It's creating earth and community and humanity as it was meant to be. So I don't know if you can even picture in your mind what eternity might look like. Like usually when I think of eternity, I think of angels and harp singing and clouds and and all these things. But actually what eternity is, is humanity worshipping their God and treating people right. If we go back to that verse um, in in Matthew uh, 22... 37 to 40, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
and love your neighbour as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's what eternity is going to look like, a world where that actually happens. And we can actually start living that world now. And that's what Christianity is, is living that world now and impacting the others in our world to bring that here. This is the good news that Jesus brings to us. So Romans 10, 9 to 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I wonder today, uh, if we could have the, um, the worship band back up, please. Um, I wonder today, have you been only embracing half a gospel? Have you been only embracing a gospel that involves you and your life? Or have you been embracing a gospel that is pertinent for the whole world? Have you been embracing a gospel that deals with your sin and the need for justice? Or have you just been embracing a, God, a, a gospel that's all about love? I'm wondering if you've created a gospel in your mind that's not really the gospel because the whole gospel requires justice and love. The whole gospel um, requires personal redemption and the kingdom of God to come to earth. The whole gospel involves grace and law. Why don't you stand?